The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn presents. Nobody doesn't believe in freedom. Nobody doesn't believe in safety. It's everyone believes in them. It's just we stack them maybe in a different order for different issues. And so the only way to be wise about these issues that challenge us so deeply is to make sure that we're open to all these concerns. Welcome back to the Next Big Idea Daily. I'm your host, Michael Kovnett. And today we're talking about how to have fearlessly curious conversations in dangerously divided times. That's the subtitle of the new book, I Never Thought of It That Way, by Monica Guzman. And it's a timely topic because we're getting closer and closer to another U.S. presidential election, even while something like a third of the population believes the last one was stolen. So what do we do? Maybe we just go to our separate corners and fight it out. Or maybe, especially if we want to keep things from getting ugly, we try talking to one another. But according to Monica, the way we usually have political disagreements is all wrong. To stay curious, we're going to need to learn how to resist the unreasonable ways that we reason. For example, if you catch yourself in a conversation of disagreement, saying the reasons why you believe what you believe, and then the other person says the reasons why they believe the opposite, And then you find yourself repeating those reasons, except with each iteration, you're more angry, you're more frustrated. Then you begin to see how unproductive it is for us to insist our reasons at each other instead of letting our reasons enrich and inform each other. Very often, we just stomp out the complexity and believe that we already know the motives of people who disagree with us and that we already know everything we need to know about their perspective. To stay curious, we have to resist the twin temptation to want to win or to want to change another person or another person's mind. We get excited to share the reason that did it all for us, the reason that convinced us on this issue. And we hold it there in our hand and it's glittering and beautiful and we believe that all we need to do is hand that reason to someone else. And if that person is reasonable, well, This reason will have the same impact on their thinking that it did on ours. But it won't, because we don't just see with our eyes, we see with our whole lives. Our perspectives come from our entire lives, the paths that we walk to our views are rich and long. And it is just not very likely that one meme or one mic drop point is going to change someone else's mind. So our opinions are not something that we just have. They emerge from our life experience. Mm-hmm. And while we might recognize that about ourselves, we have a hard time recognizing it about other people. We think they just need to be reasoned out of their position and they'll see it clearly. That's right. And what we also know is that a lot of our perennially difficult issues cannot be resolved for all time. There is a fundamental tough tension at the heart of abortion between Mm -hmm. the sanctity and respect for life, which guides so much of our policy and our idea of what it means to be good, and the freedom to thrive that we all expect as people, whether they're people who can get pregnant or not. Mm 
Abortion is not easily resolvable because it has inherent tension between good values. It's good values being put into tension. And, and that's interesting because that that's one where it is common for people to assume bad faith on yeah. the other party. That, well, they say they're pro-life, but really they're just trying to control women's bodies. Right. Or they say they're pro-choice, but really they're just trying to kill babies. Yeah. So we, we, we can assume the worst of each other. Yeah. In that debate in particular. Absolutely. We do that pretty frequently. Uh, I saw a meme the other day that was something like, I choose the second grader over the second amendment. Hmm. And and you can see what that meme does. That meme boils down a very complicated, you know, set of concerns and things and reasons that why the second amendment, it holds a lot of key values for liberty and, and independence and ability to defend ourselves and our relationship with our government. And then boils down a lot of key values about how to keep our children safe in schools for crying out loud and make sure that they mm -hmm. can't, I mean, these tragedies, you know, keep coming, but I find it so infuriatingly disingenuous to pit one value against the other as if the one side doesn't recognize the other side's value. Right. As if as if gun owners want second graders to be murdered. What? <laughs> you know? Right. Like if you stop and think about it for a second, you see that the the real evil here, I think, is how we are blinding each other to the complexities mm. in front of us and and how that allows us. I mean, that meme encourages complete dehumanization of people who champion the second amendment. Mm -hmm. As if they want your children dead. As if they made that binary choice. As if it's a binary choice. Is part of the trick here to think and speak in terms of values so that if I say, you know, what I value in this discussion is safety. Yes. I, the safety of my children going to school. And a gun rights advocate might say, well, I value safety. I have a gun because I think that's part of keeping myself safe. I don't want to give up my gun because I feel less safe without it. And, you know, you're not that you're going to then agree, but at least you're kind of talking the same language and kind of can kind of then negotiate like, well, how can we make this more safe for everyone? Exactly right. Exactly right. Mm -hmm. Speaking the same language, acknowledging that nobody doesn't believe in freedom. Nobody doesn't mm -hmm. believe in safety. No one doesn't mm -hmm. believe in these things that are so important. It's everyone believes in them. It's just we stack them maybe in a different order for different issues. And so the only way to be wise about these issues that challenge us so deeply is to make sure that we're open to all these concerns. And again, you know, that we're open to the paths people took to those concerns so that we, we build right. some immunity, some resistance to just believing that they're bad or that they don't share this key value that is so obviously good. It's, of course they share it. And if we don't right. see that, how can we possibly have good faith conversations? Because we're just going to feel like we're attacking each other all the time, dehumanizing each other all the time. And no one's going to want to be heard. Like no one's going to want to hear the other side anymore. Can you give me any examples from your own life of a position that you hold with your whole life? In other words, something that just emerges from your experience that feels pretty fundamental and hard to see differently than you do. The, a conviction that I feel really strongly about that is not maybe that controversial is I just believe that everyone is interesting. Having been a journalist for you know more than 15 years, I'm so often surprised. You know, I think mm -hmm. I have the story and I'm going to just go and get the quote. And then I sit there and I listen to somebody and the story is completely not what I thought. And mm -hmm. my duty is to tell the true story, not the story that was in my head. 
So I'm going to sit there and listen to the real story, right? So I see, I, it's one of the things that animates me in this work, is when we flatten each other. We, we, yeah. we create a world that flattens us. I don't want people to misunderstand me, so I damn well better understand other people. You say that one of the things you look for in a conversation is an I never thought of it that way moment. Can you tell me what those mean for you? Yeah. So the, the title of the book is based on this concept. When we think or say, I never thought of it that way. If you, if you pause and think about what has happened, it's a pretty cool thing that had to have happened. Some perspective that you didn't have just became illuminated for you. You, you just almost like absorbed it, got to see it. You got to see something from another point of view. There's a, a conservative colleague of mine who joined me in a very intense conversation about abortion, and it was very curious and very open. And I called her two weeks after the conversation because I realized that something she had said had planted a seed. It, it made me go, I never thought of it that way, and planted a seed in my mind. And about two weeks later, I realized that one piece of what I believe in about abortion, still very much pro-choice, but there was one piece of it that I suddenly realized. It, it changed because her, her idea and her observation worked on me in such a way, right? And I didn't feel, oh, she has manipulated me. No, not at all. Mm. It's like, we, we, we're afraid of that. We're afraid that if we expose ourselves to ideas we don't like and suddenly we like them, then that was someone else's sort of like secret agent yeah. man infiltration of our, <laughs> bull crap. Like if we change our mind about something, it's because our minds were already fertile ground for those seeds. You know, mm -hmm. because our opinions are the result of our experiences and all these things, they can't change on a dime. So, so we can be more confident that our constitution is intact, you know, that it's okay mm. to listen to other people's stories. We don't have to worry about some infection. We are who we are. And if we change our minds, I felt happy. <laughs> you know, I said, oh, wow, look at what her idea grew in my mind, the seedling, the sprout. And now I look at abortion in a much more complex way on this one issue. So it's pretty powerful. So next time you talk to that friend or relative who's got a different opinion than you, even on a topic as fraught as abortion, what if you worried a little less about being right and instead got a little more curious about how they came to think the way they do? Asking how instead of why is one of Monica's key strategies for healing political division. And she'll explain that to us tomorrow. See you then. <laughs>